Hello and welcome to episode 226 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is November 23rd, 2020. I am Rollo McFlugel. With me, not this time, is Slappy Jones. He's having some... Uh, actually, he's celebrating the uh, um, Joe Biden's win. Remember how we uh, mentioned it last time that he was really excited? Well, he decided to have a, uh, a cabinet party with his, uh, with his Democrat friends. So, um, since Joe Biden's starting to, you know, release some of the names and people that he's going to put in his cabinet, Slappy and his, and his friends are doing kind of like a, uh, almost like a fantasy draft for it. Um, really excited about it. Um, so kind of just let him do his thing and brought Car Campit on to, uh, kind of fill in for him and, uh, talk about some good stuff this week. So welcome to the Rollo and Car Show, Car. Hey, thanks a bunch for having me on. Uh, it feels good to, you know, upgrade your show uh, from rolling slappy to rolling car, and uh, we'll see how it, uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what the the uh, user experience uh, improves to. Yeah, really small shoes to fill. So we'll <laughs> yes, see, yeah, uh, they're very tight, very tight. I'm bursting <laughs> out of them. <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're, they're like the bowling alley shoes. That yeah, uh, they're <laughs> bowler shoes. They're light up, uh, light up, uh, Velcro shoes. They're great. Yes. Yep. So, um, you know, I, 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 even though I'm going to title this episode, that's going to give what the episode is about away. Um, uh, it is no surprise, I think, to any of our listeners who know either of us that when the two of us together get together, um, the conversation is going to be about tractors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I figured that we'll throw a curveball and talk a little bit about Bitcoin. Uh, it is, it is, uh, ripping is falling up the stairs in terms of price recently. Um, who knows if we're kind of on the next, where, where we are in the cycles, it's, you know, it's, it's easy to get excited, but I have no idea. Um, but I've had a lot of people both in the Twitter world with our, you know, libertarian brethren and in my real life, um, kind of ask me about Bitcoin. I've had a number of people text me and say, yo, um, you know, what's what's going on with Bitcoin? I think I feel like I should be getting involved in it. And these aren't just people that are chasing number go up. They it, and, and that certainly has something to do with it. it, grabs attention. The price going up is a great thing and it's, and it, and it matters. It's important information. But there are also people that are, that care about the way the world is going and kind of see, I guess they remember me talking about, you know, Bitcoin fixes this, Bitcoin does all this stuff, you know, going on our, our normal rants about it. I think they recognize that they need to start doing, doing something else um, with, with trying to navigate the world and, and Bitcoin. I think there's, they kind of sense or recognize a little bit that, that they have an opportunity to, to latch onto the Bitcoin train and, and maybe not, maybe not just kind of go on this government politics ride. Have you uh, have you experienced anything similar in the last several weeks, especially with all the election and the COVID stuff going on? With regards to people uh, hitting me up about Bitcoin, yeah, yeah. You know, not uh, not as much I, as I would expect from like uh, normie world. Um, okay, it has not hit me yet. I, I assume that it will at some point, but no, uh, I virtually none. I've had a couple people in the DMs uh you know uh asking me about 
Bitcoin related stuff and, and uh, uh, always happy to help. Like I, I've said on our show, DMs are always open for anybody that wants to ask questions about Bitcoin and stuff like that. Um, but no, yeah, surprisingly, everybody else has been saying, oh, okay, it's starting, it's starting, it's starting. And I suspect it will soon, but it hasn't started for me yet. Okay. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk about, uh, because we're both kind of going through it, is running a full node. And you know, I think people hear about that all the time. And even people that are into Bitcoin, call them Bitcoin maximalists or whatever, um, that they don't have a node set up yet. And I feel like people think that it's it's more than it is. And I think people get intimidated by it. And I think I, I think it'd be very useful just to kind of go explain what a full node is, why it's important, and kind of different strategies that you can use to to run one. Because I, I've seen people get paralyzed and be like, oh, I got to mm-hmm. run a node, but like, uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be comfortable with with using it and everything. It's like, ooh, I mean, it could be it could be really really simple. Yeah, <laughs> and, super uh, easy. It's super easy. So you just bricked your node, node, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not technically a first class. So yeah, right speaking, now. <laughs> yeah. What a what a great uh, transition. Like I it's know. super easy. Everyone should do it. No, I, I didn't brick. Uh, I didn't brick it because of the Bitcoin software. I bricked it because I to be well, Bitcoin related software. But I I screwed up something when I was trying to uh, uh, start up my Lightning node. Neither here nor there. I bricked a little Intel NUC that I was using for for my node, so now I'm resyncing. I'm at like fifty percent right now. Uh, so I actually don't run a node as as uh, as we speak, uh, but uh, it is syncing, and we should be there in a matter of a couple of days. Uh, nice. I so to I'll kind of I I'll kind of start this off if you don't mind. But Lee uh, from Nblock Press hit me up and he was like, "Oh yeah, I think I, you know I'm I'm starting to get a little bit more." Inch. I think I I I think I texted you a screenshot, uh, Royal. Yeah. He's like, you know, I'm I'm thinking of you know I want to get a little bit more interested in this, um, and uh, and you know, get my hands on some little you know. I think he already has some because I think he takes it uh, for um, his store. Or I could be wrong about that, but um, he's like, you know what are, what are some steps to get started? And I think, I think what I, what I had recommended, I think seems really reasonable. Um, so I would recommend, and I think you would too running a fully validating node, but it does take some time to sync. And frankly, if you're going to start by buying a hundred dollars or $200 or whatever, you don't necessarily need to have the node, um, there immediately to validate it. You can validate it later. Um, and so what I had recommended to him was say, there are a number of wallet, uh, there are a number of wallets out there, uh, desktop wallets that will, uh, point that you can point to your node, but in the absence of that, they'll hook up to other nodes on the network. So go download one of those wallets, set it up. Um, they're super, super easy. And whenever you buy Bitcoin on an exchange or get it somewhere, you know, create a new receive address and send it to your wallet uh, that you have on your desktop. In the meantime, go download Bitcoin Core from Bitcoin.org. And if you want to, you can even set it as a pruned node, which means it'll just disregard, it'll just discard old block, uh, uh, the the old blockchain information as soon as it's been validated and only keep the last three gigabytes, five gigabytes, whatever you set it to. And it'll just run in the background. You won't even know it. And as soon as it syncs, a lot of these wallets will automatically pick up the fact that there's a node on a peer-to-peer 
you know, network or on your local computer and they'll just automatically connect. And that's um, in most ways, just as good as running, you know, using the wallet on the Bitcoin core software, I, I think, unless you have any objections to that. So I, I, I that's, that's kind of what I recommended to him. I just said, Hey, if you're interested in it, go buy a little bit, not more than you, that you, than you're willing to lose, download a wallet, a regular wallet. Like, a, you know, I use Wasabi. I've used um, blue wallet. You know, there's a, there's a number of them that ha- that are reputable in the Bitcoin community. Then, you know, that send the Bitcoin to that wallet so that you control the coins and then go to Bitcoin.org, download the core wallet and just have it sync. And maybe it syncs in two days and maybe it syncs in three months and who cares? Just run it in the background and eventually it will. And then you will be able to validate your own coins. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. And if someone's out there is just totally terrified of, of making Bitcoin transactions because they understand at least, or at least with, with some nebulous thought that like it's, it's final. And if you mess up, um, then the Bitcoin's gone forever. Uh, if, if you want some practice, then go right to downloading Bitcoin core. But uh, there's this little little program that comes with it uh, called the testnet, um, or or another. It's it's a way that you can kind of set up Bitcoin, and and if you're using the uh, the GUI interface, um, uh, the QT program, it's got its own little icon that'll pop up. They'll say Bitcoin Core testnet, and what that does, it's it's the same exact software as Bitcoin, except it just is for testing stuff. And so I, I think they just like burn the coins periodically so it doesn't have a chance to monetize or anything but otherwise it's it's pretty much a mirror of the bitcoin network but just a test track for it um and you can just go down you just go on go search for bitcoin testnet faucet and you'll be able to get some get some testnet bitcoin there and you can send it to that to your core wallet and uh or any other wallet that you want to have that you can flip a most of them have a little little button or something that that you can flip testnet on and just start sending the bitcoin around send it to yourself send it out somewhere try to try to mess up on purpose and just see how it works get comfortable with it um that way you can make it a little bit less terrifying when when you're doing it for real for the first time and the other thing too of course is that when you're doing it for the first time for real i don't don't send the twenty thousand dollar transaction on (laughs) the first time like yeah Break it up, do it a little bit smaller. Uh, yeah, you, you know, protect yourself a little bit. But yeah, um, I think it's. I think how I think what's really good about uh, that setup you just said is, um, I think it it goes to explain what your node is really doing. Because I think that, and at least I kind of thought this for a while, a little bit back, that when you're running a node, that that has to be that node is like where you're putting your uh, putting your Bitcoin, that's the wallet that you're using for, for Bitcoin. But really all it is, is that you just want all of your wallets connected to that node because the node is what is validating all the transactions coming through. Um, it's validating blocks that come through. Um, and so you don't have to, you trust the open source software that you're running on your own machine. You don't have to rely on, on someone else's node, um, that you have to do when, when you're just running like a light, like uh wallet wallet client um so maybe we could dig into that a little bit about you know what is the purpose of the node yeah 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 i think um 
the two most important things uh, to me right off the bat um, in terms of to directly to the user, and this is what I was telling Lee, was the first is that the node keeps a full record of every single Bitcoin transaction that's ever happened, and it traces every single Bitcoin back to its point of origination to make sure that there are no counterfeits. And that's the benefit of uh, at least validating, if not keeping, you know, in a pruned uh, 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 arrangement, validating all the transactions on the blockchain so that you know the Bitcoin that you get is real. And that's the first and probably most important aspect of the Bitcoin node in, in my mind is just validating and making sure you're not getting counterfeit uh, coins. But then there's a second uh, major value to running a Bitcoin node. And that is that all of these nodes connect in like a mesh net format where you're reaching out. To, I think now with the new update, they're doing 12 other nodes and some reach out to eight. But in, other, in any case, you're reaching out to random other nodes on the network. And um, from a privacy angle, when you're trans, when you're when you're sending a transaction, if you're sending the transaction to your node to then broadcast out to the network, no other nodes on the network understand where that transaction originated from. They just see it from another node on the network, um, and they don't know if that node got it locally or got it from another node or or where the hell it came from. Whereas if you're running a wallet software and it's connected to other random nodes, and let's say there is some sort of attack by, I don't know, like a, an alphabet agency where they're just, they start running a lot of nodes that are accepting incoming connections. Perhaps you're connected to a, an alphabet node um, from your local wallet and not from a full node. Then they know the IP address. I mean, you can go through Tor and stuff like that, but there is a greater chance that you could, that your transaction could be picked up um, by someone who's snooping. Whereas if you're running a node, they don't really know. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good point. The other thing is with uh, how how you might get you know fake Bitcoin sent to you is that if you're running a software that's it's or a wallet that's relying on someone else's node a trusted node or something, um, it might be the case where the attacker, the person that wants to send you fake Bitcoin, um, is either that node operator uh, himself or is in collusion with them. Once they figure that out or have that, that connection made, then they can just send your wallet fake information about mm -hmm. uh, the Bitcoin yeah. uh, thing. So that means that once you... Once you think you have have legitimate Bitcoin, then you would complete the other side of your transaction. Um, at which point, once you release the goods or services or whatever you're trading that Bitcoin for, then they have both the actual Bitcoin and um, and and whatever good or service you're given to. And that, um, and that could be as simple as as simply buying from an exchange. Um, yeah. so you submit your fiat currency, you say, you go pay a thousand dollars for, you know, uh, uh, Bitcoin, whatever that gets you right now. Um, they quote unquote, send it to you, but being an exchange, it could be in their best interest to run a bunch of nodes and maybe you connect to, to those nodes. Um, and so they can send you counterfeit information, take your bank deposit, keep the Bitcoin. Um, and you may never know. And, and you, you may never know ever, you know, if you never run, if you never do validate it on your own, or at least have like a friend validate it with their note or something like that. 
Yeah, until you try to spend that Bitcoin and right. and the person you're sending it to goes, oh, that's that's an invalid transaction. You don't own that Bitcoin. And then, yeah. and that's one. So, uh, yeah, it could be. Um, and it's not even necessarily because I, I, I know when 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 anytime there's like someone trying to do a custodial project, which. I'm not saying there's never a time and, and place for it, but, you know, you don't want to have to you want to minimize the trust. You want to minimize these third parties. It could be security holes for you because it's not because the argument that they always give is, well, I mean, we're operating on a market. And uh, so it's in my best interest not to cheat you, because if I cheat you, then, um, you know, my reputation soiled. I can't do business. And that's true. But in cases like this, you're not necessarily worried about the other person on the other end is trying to cheat you when when there's that trusted third party that's an opportunity for an attacker to attack them um and start right. and and control their systems it's it's mm-hmm. like it's it's yeah. why you just don't want to give out you know like you know coinbase is, is a huge bitcoin exchange that that sells a lot of people bitcoin and since it's kyc aml in order to buy bitcoin from them you've got to give them huge amounts of a lot of personal information mm-hmm. and uh you, there's plenty uh wrong with coinbase but i don't think that they're going to knock on my door um knowing that i bought bitcoin from them and try to steal it from me right like i, I trust that they're not going to do that that would be that would be kind of a crazy scenario but i don't trust them to be able to secure that data very well yeah. And there's there's security breaches all the time for stuff like that. Was it Equifax had this like massive yeah. loss of data, like really, you know, personal data for a ton of people. So information on exchanges, KYC information uh, is just so valuable to hackers. I mean, th- there's such a huge bounty on that, that they're constantly trying to attack it. And when your information is in there, I mean, it's, it, it's not great. Um, and so that just creates a, uh, a, you know, an attack surface for you. So one of the other things, um, one of the ways that running a full node, your own node and, you know, validating stuff off that helps is that, like you said, it's your node automatically connects to a bunch of random peers in the network. And the way the network sends information, it, it uses, uh, it's called gossip. And that just means that when, when your node has information, new information, like let's say you want to send a transaction, it just sends, it, it pings the other nodes it's connected to and say like, hey, do you have this transaction? And the node, the other nodes check their records and they say yes or no. Um, if they say no, then they don't have to, or if they say yes, I already have it, then they don't have to send the, uh, the actual data across. If they say, no, I don't have it then they send that information to them and then they ping all of their nodes with that new information and say, Hey, do you have, and so it just gets, it gets spread out that way and just kind of saturates through, through all the network uh, of nodes just by pinging each other and saying like, Hey, do you have this? If no, I'm sending it to you. Um, and that the same goes for blocks too. It's, it's mm-hmm. just, it, they just ping each other back and forth. So in order, and, and they're checking against the, um, always checking and validating uh, that the information they have is correct. And so once they have information, um, they'll check it against the information that they're trying to get pinged with. So if there's something different, that sends up a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll they'll kind of adjust based on whoever has 
um, most of <laughs> the same data. That's that's what is agreed is uh, agreed upon is is truth in the network. Whoever whoever says it the most. Um. So when you're connected to like eight random nodes, in order for someone to send you bad information, they'll have to at least control five of the nodes that you're connected to, which is really, really difficult to do. Yeah. Because it's, you've no way, no real good, especially if you're over tour, you've really no good way of knowing which node you're connected to. So they would just have to, you know, spin up these massive amounts of nodes and then and you say and you say it's really difficult it's really difficult if you're running a wallet and not a node it's impossible if you're running your own node yeah right. yeah yeah pretty much so you would completely eliminate this threat no matter how uh kind of low percentage chance it is by simply running your own node and you could run a prune node you could take up two gigabytes of your your hard drive space and once it's synced it, it takes up very few resources you can limit the amount of RAM, you know, RAM and stuff like that that it uses, you won't even know it's there, really. Um, and then you completely eliminate this attack. Yeah, and once you have, a, and and, um, yeah, I forgot what I was gonna say. Sorry, I this other thing I was gonna. In. No, 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 that's that's fine. Um, you were uh, saying you would have to they, connect to at least like five other nodes uh, for them to, and it would be pretty difficult that somebody would have to be spinning up massive amounts of nodes for. Um, yeah, it's just it just turns into you know completely impractical because it's man, it's yeah. it's just it's finding a needle in the haystack. Um, just a just mathematically pretty much negli- negli- negligible chance that they have of of accomplishing that. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really adds some nice security. And on top of that, uh, when you're running a node, you are enforcing the rules of the network and you run whatever rules that you want. Um, but you really kind of want to be in consensus with everyone else. So you're running kind of the standard rules. And so uh, you're helping to enforce that rule set. You're helping to enforce that 21 million uh, Bitcoin cap. Right. Uh, and to be, and to be, to be clear, that's not something that you have to set. Like, right? That's something yeah, you decide on. You say, okay, I understand the ethics of Bitcoin or the 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 uh, ethos of Bitcoin. Like, twenty one million cap, ten minute block times, difficulty adjustment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you download the standard Bitcoin Core wallet, that's what you get. Um, right. And then, what, if there is some sort of uh, issue that arises, like in t- two thousand seventeen with the hard fork or a number of hard forks, um you know, then that is the time where you really need to scrutinize and say, am I going to run a Bitcoin cash wallet or uh, excuse me, node, or am I going to run a Bitcoin node? And with Bitcoin, because of the dedication to avoiding hard forks at all costs, if you run any Bitcoin node version from any year, it will be able to communicate with other Bitcoin nodes of any year um, because there's never been a hard fork. Yeah, they make sure any new uh, new updates to the software is backwards compatible. Yep. Yep. So and I mean, I, not to say that I recommend going and downloading a wallet or a node from 2012, but, um, right. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, I think that the latent, that the, the, like I, I was running, a my, my node software before I bricked it, um, this is a good excuse to update it, uh, was from two years ago and I never updated it. It didn't matter because it was, I, I could sim, I could still validate my Bitcoins. I could still, um, uh, uh, have all the privacy benefits of running my own node in terms of sending, 
but uh you know it comes like for instance the native segwit addresses in the in the native wallet for bitcoin core weren't available until this new update or in, in one since then um so i you know you do get new features and security patches and shit like that so do do update but i'm glad that there's a latency in know in everybody updating because it does keep that robustness of the network um over time i think yeah yeah and if something goes wrong with the new update then right. you know you can have all the people that are running the old old node software to fall back on and and mm-hmm. maintain that you know the validity of that of that chain um, and then also, this is a point where you might get it feel a little bit intimidated, like, oh, what do I got to do to update my node? Uh, if you're doing everything on the GUI uh, and everything, um, all the all it is is you just re-download the latest thing, and that new Bitcoin Core, you know, icon program that pops up, that's the one you open. You close down the other one and you open that one, and it'll stay synced. You won't have to resync the blockchain. It'll just uh, It'll just run the new software with, and you won't even really notice a difference. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's really convenient that way. That said, there are other ways to run nodes um, because with the way we've been describing is you have to have a dedicated computer that's always connected to the internet, um, which, you know, people might have an old laptop, an old desktop they don't care about, uh, that they're willing to do that with. Uh, for other people, that might be not as practical or annoying, or they just don't want to do it. Um, I kind of get frustrated. I, I, there was one time I had three laptops open on my desk, plus a uh, like a Raspberry Pi. I was like, oh, I'm such a I'm such a loser. Hmm. Um, but uh, my node right now is isn't is a Raspberry Pi connected to a uh, a hard a hard drive. Uh, I had done it before to set up a BTC pay server that I talked about before for uh, being able to accept Bitcoin payments without trusting anyone else uh, to do that uh, payment processing for me. Which is an absolutely badass software that I don't want to get derailed on right now, but yeah. we definitely should do like maybe another episode or something like that because BTC yeah. pay is incredible. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love it. But um, I decided I wanted to, um, I was having some issues with it. And I wanted my node to be able to do a little bit more. And so I used, uh, and I talked about this a few episodes ago, I think, uh, use the Rasp Blitz software mm-hmm. for setting full node. And uh, that, that allows you to easily kind of uh, add, do a bunch of like little add-on things too. Like I have my, uh, my own local block explorer now, which is pretty sweet. Like oh, if, yeah, I, right. uh, if, uh, if I've got a transaction that I care about, that I'm sending or, or trying to receive, you know, if you go to something like, you know, any sort of online block explorer, uh, if someone's logging what you're doing based on your IP address and you're sending transaction IDs and, and wallet addresses, and they kind of collect that data from your IP address, they'll might get an idea of you and your Bitcoin that you care about which they probably will assume is yours, which probably is a good guess. Um, so this allows me to not have to send that uh, over the internet. Uh, it's it's all going going local. So if, you know, if I have a transaction that I want to check on, see if it's confirmed or something, then uh, I could just do it locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also, uh, have you ever used Ride the Lightning? 
No, not yet. Oh, that is that is really uh really a slick little uh little dashboard for for running like a, a lightning node and everything. Okay. Yeah. Uh helps you like makes makes like uh, I don't want to get derailed on uh on doing yeah. lightning network stuff. Lightning but, is, um, is, is another yeah. But that was, you know, running a lightning node can be a little bit intimidating with like setting up channels and and managing all that stuff because there's there's a lot going on, but it's it's really just a nice slick uh way to kind of manage everything and, and see what's going on. So uh it's uh it's it's worth uh worth exploring that thing. And there there's other stuff you could do. I'm running BTC BTC pay server on it. Um but uh yeah, that's just they you know, if you go on their website, they've got a you know very good walkthroughs on on exactly what to buy, how to set things up. It's nice because it's uh you know it's all obviously open source, so you can you know check for yourself if you have the ability or or desire to make sure that you're not downloading software that's going to have get your Bitcoin stolen from you. Uh, but uh, yeah, you can verify everything that it's legitimate. And uh, what I also like about it is it, it uses generic hardware, so it makes uh makes kind of a a hardware attack way more difficult than uh than other things so and uh you know there's some command line involved but they do a really good job of of explaining everything you need to do and the other thing that's really cool about it and this goes for pretty much everything in the bitcoin community is the amount of support that's out there for problems and even for people who are absolute noobs is incredible like you go on you know the github page and ask a question well first there's just there's so much information out there just doing a google search or something there's a good chance that you're going to be able to have your problem solved just because other people went through it too but the amount of people that will you know bend over backwards to help you out is really impressive and it's not just it's not just you know random guys that are that are offering support it's the actual like lead developers themselves Mm -hmm. yeah that are very quick and very helpful and very patient to to answer a lot of questions and it's it's really really awesome to see um and really helpful because you know i'm i'm not that technical you know i can i did a little bit of coding in college and you know did some learning kind of recently and can can write some very very simple software but uh you know i i start trying to do command line stuff and i can very easily start feeling like I'm drowning. But uh even someone like me with very, very limited uh programming skills can can, you know, get a node up and running and and use it use it pretty pretty well. So it's uh for me and I think for a lot of people, the best way to learn about this stuff is just doing it. Just dive in, just start, just try it out. Um you'll as you come up and you know what what do i learn what do i do first well what's your first problem you know what are you trying to do that that'll that'll steer you and and what you got to figure out yeah uh, and, and 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 before we like dive super into that i'd also like to point out that if you're that if you're living in america and your primary um use case for bitcoin is savings and protecting your savings most of this stuff can wait and like, I know it sounds like a tidal wave of information coming at you. Just keep in mind, get a wallet, hopefully download a, a fully validating node. It doesn't need to sync right away. 
you know, these are just two pieces of software you basically double click to install. Um, buy it on, buy it somewhere, who cares where, and send it from there back to your wallet. That's step one. And then you already have Bitcoin in your own custody. There, Then you can learn everything else. Or if you want to learn first, hey, fine, that so be it. Um, but a lot of this stuff is, is, uh, we're, we're, we're geeking out a little bit, I guess is what I, which I want to do, but, but, but like, keep in mind, it is, it is really simple to buy Bitcoin and send it back to a wallet where you control the private keys and thus the Bitcoin. Yeah. When, when people talk to me or talk about how they're intimidated by running a full node and everything, um, I think I have a difficult time uh, having empathy for that, <laughs> to, to put it bluntly, is, well, when we first got into Bitcoin, I mean, running a full node was all you could do. Yeah. That was the wallet software. Like, you had mm-hmm. to go and you had to you had to download this software, and when you start up the wallet, there was this little bar that would tell you how many years and weeks behind you were with syncing, and you had to you had to wait for that to, to sync up, and and uh, then, then you could start going, and it was just like, like a very, very simple interface for you know wallet software, especially compared to what they have now. But that's that's what it was, and so, um, you know, a lot of us who would, who who have been in this space for you know a couple of years, you know, running a full node was the only thing you you really could do, and so it was just it's not a big deal. And it was yeah, like, Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember. yeah. It was just, it was just kind of a pain in the butt. You had to be like, I'm going to do Bitcoin right now. And then you, you start, I got to wait a couple days yeah, <laughs> before yeah, I can start no. doing Bitcoin. You're right. You're but right. it's, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what, that was the only thing we had back in the day. And, uh, you know, we all kind of got through it fine. Like there were, there wasn't huge, you know, user experience problems back then. And, 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 you know, it was, you couldn't be intimidated because you had, it wasn't anything special. So you, you were kind of in a state of ignorance to, to know that you should, you're doing anything really that special. Yeah. It's just, oh, you want to, you want to have a wallet? Well, no, you got to run a, you got to run a full node. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, now it's, it's a double click to download a, a software wallet, double click uh, to download a, you know, a, a full node, eventually it'll sync and the two wheels begin speaking. And then you're literally on par with <laughs> Bitcoin maximalists. Like that's all, that's the only thing that's separating us is like, we're running the software. I mean, that's it. I mean, there, there may be knowledge and stuff like that from being in the space and stuff, you know, whatever, but from a protocol level, that's it. We just dis- decided to double click on that thing, run it and allow it to um, exist on one of the computers that we keep running, you know, most of the time. And, uh, and, and, you know, if you're going to go out there on cash app or use Swan or something like that uh, to buy your first Bitcoin, if you buy a hundred or 500 or a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin and don't immediately validate it, who cares? You know I mean? At, at the end of the day, it, you know, validate it whenever you get the thing downloaded. But my opinion would be go out and get the Bitcoin first and then, and then validate it because you know you're you're losing time. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're convinced, yeah. uh, if you're convinced of the of the Bitcoin thing, right? But yeah, it's it doesn't really take that much effort 
knowledge, whatever you want to have to be, be a first class Bitcoin citizen by running a full node and controlling your keys, which I am not. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the, uh, that's the beauty of it though. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really amazing that in order to be fully sovereign and mm-hmm. not have to trust anyone, it takes, like you said, just a couple of mouse clicks. Yeah. Uh, and then and, you and com- then you possess your money. You can send it to anyone you want around the world anytime, and you never have to ask anybody for permission. I mean, that like a few clicks for that. That's crazy. I mean, think about what that would if you compared that to doing the same thing with gold. Yeah, or or regular or a bank account. Right. Yeah, it's, it's just it's it's, it's totally mind blowingly simple. Yeah, yeah, it's mind blowingly simple compared to those things. You need uh, just for the gold. We'll we'll do hard money. Um, example but you know just think about the the technical uh knowledge you would need to have in order to you know sort of to validate that you're actually getting real gold and then also just the massive expense that that would entail mm-hmm. and whether you're you know doing a uh, you know a small tenth of an ounce gold coin or a hundred pounds of gold uh, you, you still have to do the same thing. So it doesn't really scale that well. Right. <laughs> if, if you're trying to validate validate gold, whereas Bitcoin, doing all that kind of stuff, validating that you're getting legitimate Bitcoin and um, actually truly controlling uh, the spending of it and the holding of it. I mean, it's it, it, Almost no cost. I mean, what, what do you think? Like, if you had to think of a dollar value of the bandwidth that you have to use um, to, you know, run Bitcoin Core just to keep it up to date with, you know, having transactions pump in and out and, and receiving blocks and everything and the disk space, especially if you're running a, pr- a prune node, it's it's like... I, if you... It's neg- it's negligible if you are living in the first world and all of and all of almost all of that expense is sunk cost anyway that you're using for other stuff. Right. Like, like if you're not counting the internet, like I'm going to have an internet connection. I had an internet connection connection sure. before Bitcoin and I, I have it now. Uh, yeah. If you and if you dis- if you disregard that, yeah, it's 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 very very cheap pennies dollars a year at most. And it, and it's not like it's using up so much bandwidth that you have to do without something else. It's not like no you're, uh, no no no. Especially once it's synced. Even, even syncing, it's not a whole lot of bandwidth. It downloads a lot of stuff immediately, and then it has to go through the validation process. So that's local. So it basically just whenever you download the Bitcoin Core wallet, you'll see you can see on the network traffic tab. It'll it'll just it download a bunch of blocks, uh, you know, quickly. And then it'll chill and just validate those blocks. So like, yeah, in terms of any, you're not going to notice any bandwidth issues at all, ever. And then once, you know, once it's, then that's the beauty of the small blocks thing. Once it's all uh, synced, then it barely uses anything. Um, Then you're, you're getting a, maybe at most in total four megabyte block received every 10 minutes. Uh, which is ne- you know negligible plus you know the transactions that you're validating and stuff like that but yeah it's it, very 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 negligible for any modern computer are you uh familiar with fast sync no I've, I've heard that talked about i don't i don't know what the deal is with that well it's pretty neat what you can do because under normal syncing you start with the first block block mm-hmm. zero and you download each block uh on top of that 
Well, with fast sync, what you can do is that um, you can start with the latest block and download the blockchain backwards. Oh, so you can immediately receive transactions or something? Yeah, you can immediately validate and, oh, you know, okay. and, and and the last few blocks are, so the way that, that the blockchain works is, and then the reason that you can run a pruned node without really giving up any sort of uh, trust is that each block has a hash of the previous block embedded in it. So there's like any sort of tiny change in a previous block would completely change any of the the blocks after it. So if you've got a, a decent, you know, let's say the last thousand blocks or something just to throw out a random number, the likelihood that you're getting, you're able to be spoofed any of those blocks is is just super low. Yeah. Because it's all built off the uh, the previous stuff. Um, and so for any of them to have been valid, all the, you know, everything else before it had to be, had to be valid too. Um, so if, if you've got the last hundred blocks or so, uh, you could be pretty sure that any Bitcoin that you're getting tested against those, those valid blocks is, is going to be valid. I mean, even uh, if you had the last, I don't, not that I'm recommending this. If you had the last four blocks, three blocks, even you're, right. you're the, the odds are so in your favor. Like, so well, I guess so, it depends. So, so, so. Yeah. It depends on, on when, what block that, uh, that previous Bitcoin was spent under. Oh, so like, okay. so if you've got like, uh, it, it would have to be the only way someone could cheat you there is if you don't have all the, the previous blocks and it was the last time it was moved, that Bitcoin was moved was, uh, you know, the previous like block five years ago. Oh, and you've only got the last two years worth of blocks. Then, then they might gotcha. be able to get you there, but that's why, right. um, but th but that's why it's it's well, that's why they start from the beginning. Typically, it's the most secure way. But I mean, uh, if you want to get started up right away, and and generally don't feel like someone's going to cheat. I mean, if you're not these, we talk about these attacks. If you're not, you know, receiving a huge amount of Bitcoin, then it's yeah. You know, I I really wouldn't be worried. Too if you're worried buying. About it. Yeah, if you're buying a hundred, five hundred thousand, probably even ten thousand dollars on Cash App or something like that every every now and then, and sending it back to your wallet, I, yeah, I don't think the, these are these are doomsday, almost doomsday scenarios right. that we need to be aware of so that we can make sure that the network remains secure. But ninety nine point nine nine percent of people are never going to have to deal with. Um, we need to make sure that they don't happen. But by and large, you know, and I and I hate to say this because it's against the message of what we're trying to impart here, but probably by and large, if you download a wallet without a node, um, you're probably not going to get scammed. I, I, you know, at this point for any Bitcoin now in two years, is that going to be the case? I don't know. Like you want to start building that armor up in case shit gets weird. That's, that's how I kind of think about it is like, I want to make sure that I have everything in place. Like if, uh, and this is something that I, uh, you know, we were, thinking about talking about but in case hyper bitcoinization does kind of kick into full gear here in a little bit um you want to make sure that you you know you want to make sure you have a stockpile of your guns you know in, in a corollary to physical security yep yeah so that might be a good thing to hop into right now but slappy i saw you hopped on a little while ago like my... you have any questions comments uh 
No, I just what we've been talking for the about. first time in years saw a Ligma joke on Twitter. Uh, so thank you, Car Campit. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm always, I think I was the last person to fall for that. that and that yeah, was, you were. dude, that was the greatest thing about the, like, cause you would just expect everyone to know it and then you drop it one time and someone wouldn't know it was the greatest thing. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did not know it. Fantastic. Bird got me. Fantastic. <laughs> oh man. Getting ligmed in the year of our Lord, 2020. <laughs> just fantastic. What a time to be alive. Yeah, truly. Truly, but what yeah, else? I mean- what other horrors could 2020 <laughs> possibly have in store? Rolo getting ligmed by bird. <laughs> I didn't get it either. Yeah, for a while, it took me a while. Even after you guys were like laughing, you know, he dropped the punchline, and yeah, you guys were laughing. And I was just like, I don't, I don't really get yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Pondered, sat on it, meditated on it for a couple of days. Yeah, just let it, let it marinate and stew and. Went to, mass, kind of went, went to mass. Went to mass. Looked up at the looked up at the altar. Said, "Jesus, yeah. what, what is this?" <laughs> yeah. Afterwards, I said, "Hey, Father, I have a possibly theological question. I don't know. I've been, I've been looking. I've been I've been consulting the texts, and I see nothing. Yeah, I've been searching. yeah I, I don't. I don't, yeah. This this might be science. It might be theological. It might be philosophical." I, I don't know. I just, I just have to start asking everyone. <laughs> I need wisdom. I need wisdom. <laughs> so good. I consulted my car mechanic. He didn't know. <laughs> he just laughed. Yeah, he laughed at me. Yeah. Just laughed and shook his head. Yeah. Same thing happened at the grocery store. Like I, <laughs> I, you know, I had my shop. It's like, do you guys carry this? And then I kind of like slid. By the way. Ligma. <laughs> And they're, they're like, no. That's good stuff. Uh, so, by the we, way, what, what is it? What are we transitioning to? Oh, uh, hyper Bitcoinization. This is another thing that a lot of Bitcoiners talk about that uh, people kind of on the outside or, or starting into Bitcoin might not really understand what that is. Um, but I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting topic, and I think it's kind of fun to to maybe talk about a little bit about our guesses on it. So. You want to give it a little introduction on uh on what hyper bitcoinization what that word means? Yeah, do you want me to do it? Sure. Uh my understanding is that more or less, well, uh bitcoiners, maximalists, etc., uh believe that that bitcoin will essentially become global money and probably the most dominant uh money uh for any developed nation or anybody that 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 frequently uses money. Um, and that process and, you know, getting there will happen with, with some sort of, uh, well, like the name suggests hyper Bitcoinization where, uh, and I don't know, you know, probably different people have different views on this, but, but some kind of fire sale of other assets where people are scrambling to get into Bitcoin. Is that more or less? Yeah. Was it Pierre Rochard coined it? Uh, Or was the first one to popularize it? Very well could be. But it's kind of a play on, and I think this will make it a lot more easy to understand. It's a play on hyperinflation. So we, we've seen. Oh, I don't. I don't even know if I ever put that together. Oh yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, you, you you needed to be an engineer to. Uh, yeah. Right. 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 To figure that one out. But yeah, we we know we could see in history like the you know what happens when a when an economy has a hyperinflation scenario, which is kind of just everything goes nuts and 
the money, the currency just gets way out of hand and all of a sudden it just is just hemorrhaging value to the point that it's just absolutely valueless. Uh, Bitcoin's going to do that, but in the other direction that it's going to uh, just... <laughs> What's the opposite of hemorrhaging? Uh, but it's going to do that. It's going to just accumulate uh, and suck up. Vacuuming? <laughs> Yes, it's going to vacuum up all of this value um, uh, to the point where it's going to, in hyperinflation, it, it, it the value goes to zero. This is going to infinity. Um, not that you'll have unlimited unlimited purchasing power with Bitcoin, but that it, uh, um, against the dollar, that the dollars, because the dollar is going to go valueless, that's going to put the... Uh, the price of Bitcoin in dollars to infinity, which means that there is no other money than Bitcoin at that point. Slappy, I hear you giggling in the no. background. Are you still laughing? Was there something else I, I inadvertently said? <laughs> no, I was holding in a sneeze. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry. Ugh. Rony that was very, was very unbecoming. I was going to mute my mic, but didn't get there in time. Yeah, uh, I mean... Like I said, car, small shoes to fill. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so there's a lot of people are always kind of, uh, it's kind of a like, like any other meme. A lot of people talk about it since it's something that we expect to happen in the future. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of guesses on when that might be, just like uh, general price predictions that, you know, all those, those big round numbers, everyone wants to know. Hey, when are we? Uh, it's always like, when are we going to hit ten thousand? When's the when's the all time high going to be? When's when are we going to hit a hundred thousand? Uh, so coupled with that, that you know, those price price predictions, it's you know, when is that? Uh, when is that point that uh, Bitcoin hits its it hits its escape velocity, if you will, where it just hits a certain dollar value and there's just no going back. It's just going to shoot up and shoot and shoot and shoot until until it finally vanquishes the dollar and uh, all other money out there. Uh, so I guess maybe we can start kind of giving some guesses on that. I hate, not hate, but I'm so bad at giving predictions. Um, That's the point. But I've always, I've always been in the position that Bitcoin is going to take decades to kind of become money. But then, you know, things in the world happen and you go, holy cow, None of this is sustainable. And then at the same time, I remember we had Andy Edstrom on a little while ago talking about the things that the Fed does and everything. And, and with they're just ripping through printing money. And, you know, what do they do? A couple trillion and, dollars and in, that, in a Rolo, couple of days? That is exactly where I wanted to pick up. Yeah. Because the hyper-Bitcoinization... Let me give a, a little bit of background. So, you know, the, the the price action of Bitcoin traditionally goes through these cycles that come in and there's a million explanations or whatever. But they bought, you know, after every halving, there seems to be a, a big bull run where people buy into the into Bitcoin um, and then it, you know, the buying pressure eventually gets exhausted, blows off and then it comes back down. Not all the way. It, it just retraces back down to some lower price level. Until, you know, people just start accumulating, accumulating, accumulating more. Another having happens and again it goes. At some point, um, theoretically, there will be there will be far less of a reason and arguably almost no reason 
to sell back. I mean, ideally, you know, in, in the fiat world that we live in, people were selling back into fiat because that's how they pay their bills. That's how they buy their Lamborghini. That's how they do this and that. But when Bitcoin becomes more of a unit of account, there almost is no reason to sell back for fiat. Um, and when we're talking about hyper Bitcoinization, I see a lot of people talking about the price of Bitcoin, um, the cycles of Bitcoin, um, and a lot of the properties of Bitcoin, the network effects of Bitcoin, the utility of Bitcoin. But I see almost no discussion, relatively speaking, about the just sordid state of affairs of fiat currencies around the world. Um, and that is where I would like to at least insert for group thought and chat um, of how much longer, and I don't know the answer to that because then this is funny. This is a discussion Jacob and I have Jacob from Tasting Anarchy, uh, Tasting Anarchy always have, uh, of like, we, we thought this was all going to dissolve in 2008 and 2009 because it was just so insane. And then here we are again in 2028 months after this COVID thing. And you're like, how can anything possibly survive? But I was at the Bit, uh, Bitblock boom conference in Dallas earlier this year, like a couple months ago. And, uh, I don't know that I had ever known this fact and granted I haven't verified it, but knowing the uh, psychotic group of people that Bitcoiners are, I assume somebody would have spoken up if this was false or known to be false. Um, I don't remember who said it, but basically someone was saying that the average lifespan of a fiat currency taking all fiat currencies that have existed. I, I assume they filtered some out for just never really getting off the ground, but all fiat currencies that have existed, the lifespan is like 28 years. Yeah, I had thirty in my head. Okay, yeah, so, but regardless, it's so it's it's yeah, same number. Third, yeah, so let's go thirty years. Um, and you know we went off we went off the gold standard officially finally in seventy one. We're past due, and it's looking like you know it's it's there's a lot of money that has entered circulation, um, in the last six months. I don't have to tell anybody. Listen to that. Uh, to to this that. Uh, but my 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 point is that as Bitcoin, the Bitcoin network is starting to fully come into its own in terms of capability, in terms of utility being a storage of value. Um, and now with Lightning Network uh, riding on top of it, really becoming an effective means of exchange both for small payments and for big payments um, immediately around the world, person to person, you know, it, it is becoming that thing that when other things fail, it can take their place. And other things are failing. And I, I don't see enough of that in, in in the discussion. And perhaps for good reason. Maybe I'm missing something. But I really see things. You know, when they're talking about going to a great reset, my gut is, is saying they're talking about a great renegotiation of um, monetary powers around the world and saying, well, <laughs> the U.S. has kind of given up a little bit of uh, its power and China maybe has gained some. So we all need, the world leaders need to come together unless we want a world war to come and say, yeah, we're, you know, China is going to say, hey, yeah, we need to stop getting screwed so bad or, or or insert your nation here. And when they do that, or if they try to do that, I just wonder if that's the opportunity for people to be like, yeah, well, screw this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy Bitcoin and, and start to transact in Bitcoin. And particularly when you see major institutions, I mean, you know, I don't have to go rehash MicroStrategy and all that. But people are really, really seeing it as a utility, not as a novelty speculation, uh, speculative device. But like, like Tim Saylor and MicroStrategy got into Bitcoin for a reason. Like, it solved their problems. 
Um, and yeah, and he, he didn't buy that to flip Bitcoin to earn a profit. No. He bought it because he's like, I need something that is that protects the wealth that we've created. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, I, I think he's explicitly said, he's like, I don't intend to ever sell this. Right. It is it is the nest egg. It is the bedrock of of our company that mm-hmm. like uh, so it's it's like it's that's <laughs> yeah he's he's using Bitcoin is uh, for you know the purpose that all these all of us maximalists are running around screaming about yeah yeah so I mean I, I you know I see uh, I think I texted you Rollo looking at Bitcoin Tina who's a bull among bulls talking about hyper bitcoinization coming i don't even remember what he said five or ten years or something like that and i texted you i was like am i like i need to check myself and again this isn't about my personal profit profit or anything like that just macro analyzing the world like am i am i crazy to think that this is that this cycle is going to see be where we start to see escape velocity be just based almost entirely on the fact that bitcoin has technologically solve the problem they've put they finally put the pieces together it's the saving it's the store of value it's the means of exchange it's the unit of account it's the bearer asset etc 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 it is the solution just people haven't seen it yet and when other things fail inevitably when big names are looking at it other people are going to be able to look at it and it's like i i don't know to me i i see that that breaking down and that natural transition maybe sooner than I should or sooner than other people do. And I would certainly say Bitcoin Tina is a bull among bulls. So, um, you know, I think, I think he was, I think he's famously thinks that, uh, the stock to flow predictions are bearish and stock to flow would, would, if, if it's true and that's a whole another discussion that I just, you know, whatever that let's set that aside. But I think (laughs) we've we've texted about that enough. I know. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I think, I, and I haven't checked this, but I thought somebody's is this right? If if it gets to four hundred fifty thousand of Bitcoin, it it flips gold. Is that right? Uh I think so. Or yeah, something like that. I, you know, if you get there, I just wonder what's stopping the rest. You know, you know. I mean, I don't know. And and I, I don't. I, I guess what I'm saying is the these Bitcoin bulls that are saying stock to flow is bearish, even in this cycle if you're getting up to the market cap of gold, I don't understand what's stopping it going the rest of the way. And I know that's probably building on premises that you don't necessarily agree with. So I'm not asking you directly. Just no, 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 no. I, I, I understand what you're saying. That's, that's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, gold has a lot of value in the world. Yeah. Obviously. I mean, it was, it was money for 6,000 years. Mm-hmm. Or at least is has some you know monetary, uh, what's it called? Uh, Just a use case. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that's that is a big, big deal. And so when you have something else that's competing, well, it's not even competing directly with it. Because Bitcoin wants to compete with the dollar, um, but even still, when when you've got a, an asset with monetary properties. Uh, that is massive and some and a competitor comes up from nothing literally nothing not that long ago and equals it um i don't i don't see a reason why at that point it's not also just accelerating 
yeah uh at just breakneck at, at a breakneck rate right i mean that's the qualitatively speaking if yeah. you get into the region of gold particularly with momentum i don't see why it doesn't continue yeah i don't think you're going to be doing like there are little like not little but these these uh cycles of yeah oh 10x then then get cut in half and right. then kind of mill around for a couple of years and then 10x and then, yeah it's uh hmm I, I don't know when like when does that happen though yeah is, I, no is no big, i don't it's the big I, question because it's like we were talking to to andy edstrom a little bit ago i i I remember talking to him. And I was like, "I if you if you told me this like a couple months ago that that the Fed was going to print have to print like two or three trillion dollars in a week, I'd be like, I'd be concerned about major inflation. But we didn't really see that much inflation. Yeah, um, at least not yet. No. I mean, you know, we're, there's going to be there are consequences of it. We're going to see consequences down the road from it. But it didn't create this like uh, man. It 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 felt like they were throwing out. Uh, just, just hell Marys. Yeah, no, I agree. And, but they caught them pretty much. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was like uh, the end, the end of the, uh, the the Kyler Murray pass to DeAndre Hopkins. Right. Yeah. The other the other week to, to but, win, but like to win five of them, five of them strung in a row. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it that's... felt like. Because so you go into it and being like, nah, there's no way, and then they do it, and you're like, holy cow. Yeah. Actually, they are really really good at this yeah yeah yeah. now it doesn't mean you know it's central planning and they're and they're playing with fire they're playing with something that they ultimately cannot control in the Mm -hmm. long run Mm -hmm. so it is going to they're going to drown at some point but i I, it's how long can they tread water man i would have been wrong a few times oh me too too not not even the last year nope yep you're right um And the other thing about, and, and I agree with what, you know, talking about the great reset is it's, yes, it's absolutely, I think it's them trying to kind of reset the global monetary policy. But the one thing that would give me a little bit of pause to say that, well, the dollar in its current form has already exceeded that three decade lifespan. Has there been any other fiat money? that has ever enjoyed the kind of hegemonic control or whatever you want to call it that the dollar has? Um, yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good question. I've never really thought about it in those terms. Uh, because it's different. Like, this is different. The, the dollar's, I think, different than any other fiat, current, these fiat currency that's existed before. Right. I'm sure you could ju- you could say, like, stamped gold coins, but does that really you know, stamped gold coins from the Roman empire or something like that. But does that, does right. that really qualify? I don't, you know, I, so I would, I would defer to somebody that has a lot more background in monetary history and stuff like that. But yeah, that's a good question. That's actually a real, that, that's a really good question. I would like to, because in, in, in uh, any average there's, there's ones that have exceeded it and then there's ones that have fallen short. Um, and so I would be curious to look at all the ones that were more than 30 years um, mm-hmm. to, to understand that probably most of them are ones that are in existence today that are, that are basically, you know, it's like a lot of currencies are essentially in some sense, the U S dollar. Right. You know, even if they're the euro or something like that. Uh, but yeah, that's a, this is a really good question. Has, what are the, what are the longest running fiat currencies? Yeah. And what was the rest of the world? Like, was it, was it, was there competition with other kind of monies globally or was it, was it kind of, 
the reserve currency for everybody else going on. And, and, and you know, as, as time moves on, as, as globalization, for lack of a better term, well, as, as the world becomes uh, more connected economically, uh, you know, it becomes different than than we've ever had before. So there's a lot of variables in play that make it really difficult to try to to try to figure this out. And like I said, I, I think I think the hegemony that the dollar has will extend its lifespan. But at the same time, again, it's it's you're fighting against these economic principles that won't budge for you. Yeah. So it that party will end eventually. It's it's kind of the uh similar to the whole hair of the dog thing with injecting more money, it works, it works, it works until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, e- even if, if Bitcoin didn't exist, I think they would eventually blow the dollar up. Yeah. But then they would just, they would just have the new fiat currency yes. come in. Right. But now that there's Bitcoin here, it, it, it makes I it mean, so that any slip up we take advantage of. So they have to play the, they have to play it real, real tight. Um, yeah, and then they can't get it back. That's right. the thing. Like when when there's no Bitcoin, when there's no actual competition, market competition against them, if they mess up, I mean, they who cares? Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They the, they still yeah. have the control. They they still have the printing presses. They still have the central banks. They still have all this political power. That that's what matters. But now now that political power doesn't. It, it doesn't mean that they can still control the money that's that's monetizing. Mm-hmm. So they're it's good. It's the world is going to be so different once Bitcoin really starts to accumulate some serious value. It is, man. And and I mean, I, all I'm saying is I don't know when it's going to happen. But watching major the 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 world play out day to day. And watching how Bitcoin is filling out and and putting a, 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 a you know a softer face on the way that it solves all of these problems, like making it easier to use, making it uh, more accessible, and and you know making the Lightning Network more accessible to people, and and really rounding out the edges, the harsh edges, on its utilities on on the the values that it brings. Um, as a means of exchange, you know, and a, and a store of value and, a, and so on and so forth, you're kind of like, it just feels like Bitcoin is that, you know, Labrador retriever sitting there. And as soon as you get up off the couch, that son of a bitch is going to hop in and take your seat like that. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'm, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm just saying like, I think it could be way sooner than people think. Um, I don't yeah, know if it will be, but I think it could be if they if they fuck up a little bit. Yeah, well, it's it's the whole like gradually then suddenly mean. Yeah, right. No, that's is true. that it's going to be slow. It's going to be slow, and then all of a sudden you're going to blink your eyes, and it's going to be whole like whoa, right. And and that's that's what a lot of disruptive technology does. Like mm-hmm. it's it happens, and you see it, and everyone's kind of like, ah, that's that's not going to catch on. That's you know, that's that's kind of neat, but uh, whatever. And then all of a sudden. You can't remember what life was like before it. Yeah. Like right. um Uber. Yep. Like it Uber hasn't been around for that long. Uh, but we it's difficult to remember, like, man, what did I did I like have to I know, call right? up a taxi company? I had to call How to, a taxi, yeah. <laughs> or something like YouTube. I remember talking to someone about YouTube and, and thinking like, I oh, yeah, it's been here for like ten years, and then it's like, no, it's been here for like four years. Not not four years 
uh, right now, but when I was having this conversation, that it felt like it was there forever. It was like, what happened? What did you do before Wikipedia Mm -hmm. and this other stuff? What did Mm -hmm. you do before smartphones? We got along. We we did life and life was fine. It's not like life was, was, was horrible before we had smartphones and the ability to connect to the internet and everything, but like, it's difficult to remember. Like, how did, how did we do stuff? I know it's crazy. Like how did, like if I, I had to drive somewhere, like I had to go find a map. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're we're probably the last. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, you know, we started driving in 2004. Like I didn't have a, I didn't even have a cell phone when I first started driving. No. Uh, And you would just kind of get lost every now and then. Like, do you remember that? (laughs) Like like every now and then you would just kind of get lost and like, and you, you know, people would be like, where the hell were you? And you're like, I don't know. I got lost like over on X road or whatever. I, I got all turned around and you'd be like an hour late to something. (laughs) Just like, I I got lost. I don't know. Yeah, I, I recently saw the uh, – I, I finally took them out of my car. I should probably stick them in there just in case. Yeah. I have all the road atlases. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I had them. Yep. <laughs> That's so what you funny. did. You know, you get you get twisted up on the road. And you, and you would see people and... on the side of the road with the atlas stretched out on the hood being like, all right, well, I got to figure yeah. out where the hell I am. And Actually, when I was 10 years old, uh, my family took a trip to Disney World. And so that was in 1998 before <laughs> – before MapQuest, before the, you right. know, really much of an internet. And so we had maps. And I remember, you know, from coming from the Philadelphia area, going down to Disney World, uh, most of the trip is really easy because you just go down I-95. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I remember getting in Florida. Well, first of all, being a 10-year-old and knowing that Disney World is in Florida and being in the car for 12 hours yeah, brutal. over two days – you know, once you're once you're like you see the sign for Florida, you're like, oh, we're in the state that Disney World is in. Right. We're there. Nope. They got oh, this will be like another forty five minutes or so. Yeah. Not realizing how how long of a state Florida is. Yeah. And uh actually I've kind of more recently driven from Orlando to Tampa. That's a surprisingly not short trip. No, man, it's crazy. It's a big um state. Yeah, but uh, so I, I remember I, I, I remember this like it was yesterday that once we got into Florida, um, I remember seeing seeing the same thing going over this kind of like big bridge or overpass the same again, but like two or three hours later. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember my mom in the front seat and my dad getting frustrated and my mom was trying to read the map for him and she just kept flipping it over like turning it, rotating it in a circle yep. and being like, uh, I think we're here. And <laughs> it's been like, Oh no. And, and sensing like as a little kid and sensing back, they're like, we're not going to be there in a little bit. But uh, that's what you had to do. You had to have, you know, the, the husband's sitting in the front seat driving and then the wife is spinning a map in her, in her lap and being like, I don't really know how to read these things. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, and I so you're talking about a couple of years and just completely changed, and you're like, oh yeah, how would I ever, you know, how would I ever go back to to that? And that's to some degree, I, I feel like that's going to be the way with with this uh, scenario where it's like, wait, so you went to a bank and you had to give them all your information, and then you had to wait for approval, and then you got this like account and routing number, and sometimes it wouldn't go through, and you know, it just sounds insane. I'm really glad that we have pretty good media 
available right now that like can record stuff like video and then mm-hmm. books and audio and, and all, all sorts of pictures, all things that should be pretty well preserved as, as time moves on. Because could you imagine a couple generations in the future trying, assuming that we're on a Bitcoin standard for a little bit and becomes, you know, ubiqu- ubiquitous, trying to explain to people how we used to do money? Why would you want yeah. to? Oh, my God. Well, it would be like it's, people, history is interesting. And so people want to learn what happened in the past. I guess. And so just being like, these people, people don't, wait, people you guys, alive today don't you guys did what? That. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, for, for the, for the nerds like us who exist in the future that, that, you know, want to, want to learn about it. It's just like, these people are insane. It, it, it's going to be, it's probably going to be similar to being like, uh, how people today are like, I can't believe that they didn't think, or they thought that they could keep black people as slaves because they weren't human. Like yeah. how backwards, how backwards were these people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they did that. And it's going to be like, I can't believe that they thought that, you know, or oh, I can't believe they thought the world was flat. <clears throat> and like, yes, now yeah. we know it's a line. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's the ignorance uh, is astounding, particularly with <laughs> the globe. Uh, so-called. Yes. Well, my prediction there is that they'll be just as ignorant on Bitcoin, but it'll just work better. Maybe. Yeah, no, I agree because you don't have to. It's it's just like yeah, I don't want everybody like, to have to learn everything. That's that's pointless. I I don't I, I don't care how the internet works, honestly. Like, just well, not. yeah, it's 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 funny. People when people explain how Bitcoin works, um, and they compare it to the internet and how that works, and um, I'll be like, yes, I you know, kind of like nodding my head in agreement but but like mouthing no like mm-hmm. i don't understand what you're talking about the internet <laughs> like, I, <laughs> like i i can i can i can use the internet pretty well um but you know networking and everything i've i have no idea no, yeah but i don't need to i mean that's right that's, exactly well and once it's been socially validated by everyone around you that's using it then it's like you don't. The reason that you're learning about Bitcoin so hardcore right now is because it's going against the grain. You have to kind of go through yeah. this validation process because not everybody else is doing it. Well, I think it was like because this everyone's always go, oh, Bitcoin's difficult to use. It's confusing and everything. It's like it'll, it'll get like there's no way it's going to remain difficult. No, it's. And I, I think it was Guy Swan made this point, um, but he said he was talking about the internet and how 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 the internet's just going to become such an everyday easy thing that back in the day you know you had to, it was some difficulty in using it and there were some learning curves and and you know you had to go through you know that yep. thing and no one could pick up the phone while you were trying to get on it and it, he's like it's like when you're talking to your grandmother on the telephone and she says she makes a comment like oh i'm never going to use the internet mm-hmm. while she's using voice over ip yeah, <laughs> yeah. right and so she's using the internet, but doesn't even realize it. It's just all the the background infrastructure changed on her, but without her even noticing it. It was a very yeah. smooth transition. And I think you know, there's no reason to believe that anything's going to be different for Bitcoin. Right. I agree. I agree. So uh, we're probably kind of running up on time, huh? Yeah. Yeah. We uh, had a pretty good, pretty good rip there. Um, so... I don't know, Cardi, the free market success story. Oh man, I didn't even didn't even 
think about it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a free market failure story. I was going to go skiing this week and they shut down for COVID. That mm. is a, a failure. How about any, like, I don't know, free market volleyball stories? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I've, I've already announced this before, but I won the sand, uh, sand doubles championship for my league, Congrats. uh, last, last, uh, league before the winter. So I get to enjoy it for a couple more months than I usually would, which was nice. There you go. Have a day. Mm-hmm. I, uh, unfortunately yesterday, my co-ed softball, intramural softball team lost our championship game. Four to two. Mm. Is that high arc? What was do you a, do? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tough one. Twelve twelve to six. Tough one. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. I mean, it was a it was a well played uh defensively very well played, as evidenced by the score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a low score a of, for softball. A lot of one, two, three innings on both sides. Um I would say the biggest like we we had a double play turned against us. Did I was not trip? involved in it. No, no. Uh, Sixty foot bases, right? So, or like, no. yeah. No, I said I was not involved oh, okay. in double play. <laughs> okay. No, I have not been doubled up. I can, but uh, I think this is more. This this one was more because uh, our team, with the exception of one girl, we have the slowest girls in the world, and this is. I don't understand. There's a lot of things about women I don't understand, but the thing I don't understand the most is how so many of them are just such slow runners. It's mind-boggling to me. And we just have the bottom of the barrel with speed. Some of them are otherwise very good athletes. Maybe that's and, killer, and, though, and in softball. Very, very good softball players. They are just... Maybe they're just not giving the effort. Just Maybe they don't care. Unbelievably slow. Dude, because the thing with softball is, particularly if you're not, if you're playing mediocre teams, is you can leg out infield hits routinely. Yeah. Oh, we have a dude, we have a dude that is not a baseball player or softball player. The only sport he ever played was soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is lightning fast. Oh, dude, that's a hit every time. Freakishly fast. Yes. He's and he's lefty. He's a lefty. Yep. So he literally hits ground balls to first base and is safe. Yes. Sounds like he yeah. is a softball player. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. now, yeah, yeah. Um, but even me, like I, I've I've hit plenty of ground balls to shortstop and ended up safe at first, with you know just that that one little bobble or something, and that's enough. And you know, in, in baseball, ninety foot bases when you hit him as hard as you know. Rallo does. Right. <laughs> yes. Just hit him. Hit him right through the glove. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, we need to have a free market way of uh making girls run faster. Yes. <clears throat> Probably. I don't know. Sterling's so, got to help. Wasn't, uh, who was the, the runner? Marion Jones. Wasn't she on that? Oh, well, that's an go. option. I Feeding guess. Some of them. I will. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. When we go to the bar. Oh, they don't even, they normally don't show up to the bar after the game either. No. The quick one does. Tough one. So I can't, I can't add it to their, to their beers there. Hmm. I don't know how I'm going to, how do I fix this? I don't know. Any, any, any solutions that, that the listeners have? I'm, I'm yeah. all ears. 
All right. So, uh, Carl, you want to give us uh, some plugs or anything or tell us what's going on in, in the world of Car Camp It? Uh, yeah, follow me on, uh, on Twitter at Car Camp It. And uh, you can find me and the squad over at Friends Against Government Podcast. Still doing that, huh? We got some cool stuff coming up. So tune in and uh, drop out. Go. All right. Keep two hands on the wheel. Yeah. Keep two hands on the wheel. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes page, uh, mcflugel.com slash 226. So, uh, yeah, Carr, thanks for coming on. Um, always love talking Bitcoin. Oh, hell yeah. So uh, what was the thing we, we said? Oh, B- BTC Pay Server. We'll have to... Uh, yeah, we need to do an episode something. on BTC Pay. Yeah, because that is... Uh, it's it's pretty awesome. So Yeah, and not only All that, right. but I think, I think it would be a good uh, resource because I think a lot of people we know that are in our space particularly with like the 3d gun guys. I, I know some use it, but it's like a perfect solution for a lot of that. Um, so I think they could really benefit from a primer on it. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of solutions out there, if you will, for accepting Bitcoin as, as payment for like a, you know, little online store or something. But, um, you're relying on, on the third parties for a yep. lot of that stuff. So it, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't allow you to leverage the full sovereignty of Bitcoin, but, uh, mm-hmm. BTC Perry server really, really does. And it's, yeah. uh, it's incredible, really, really an incredible tool. And, and the way it came up that it got started is just, just beautiful. I'm not sure if I'm familiar. So we'll, let's just save that for the episode though. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next Peace. Week.